Welcome to the Into the Unknown podcast, the show that dives into all things fitness, politics, mindset, current affairs, sports, and everything in between. With a generous sprinkling of humour, at least on my part, and pop culture, I'm Connor Campbell. And I'm Yushan Sue. So without further ado, plug in, sit back, and enjoy being taken into the unknown. Welcome back to another episode of Into the Unknown. Just uh, me and Connor today, and we've done we're, we're doing something that we haven't done in a while, which is uh, read the news <laughs> <laughs> for good reason. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, this story kind of struck both of us, and sort of struck a chord with both of us, and we got talking, and we we thought it'd be quite an interesting one to bring on, and also just quite. A relevant and important sort of story surfacing in the news that that's been happening that is really kind of relevant to what we talk about the podcast anyway and, and we're a couple of weeks a couple of weeks yeah a couple of weeks after what actually happened which is actually i don't think it's a bad thing because then sort of everything's out and we can kind of yeah get a clearer picture of what's happening do you know what i mean yeah yeah absolutely but, we can have Today more talking... objective view rather than <laughs> speaking of uh, objectivity <laughs> and impartiality of journalism. We're talking about Gary Lineker and specifically his tweets a couple of weeks ago in response to the uh, refugee crisis and the uh, UK government's asylum policy. And you know he, yeah. To to, to those of you who aren't aware of what happened, he. Gary Lineker is where do, where do I start? <laughs> Gary Lineker is currently a presenter of uh, of Match of the Day on the BBC. He's a freelance presenter for the BBC, and also I think the highest paid presenter on the BBC. But he's a sports presenter, presents Match of the Day. Prior to that, he was a very successful football player. He was a striker for Leicester City, Everton, Barcelona, Tottenham, and uh, towards the end of his career for Nagoya. And he was also uh, part of the England England squad from 1984 to 1992. Um, yeah, so he, he's always been, you know, an outspoken guy. You know, he's always yeah. shared his views, uh, mostly on social media, been quite politically engaged, I would say. But most recently, he tweeted in response to Sullivan and, and the UK government's sort of asylum policy um, with them coming up with refugee camps as well as the sort of policy of sending sending asylum seekers and refugees to places such as Rwanda as well as offshore camps and things like that and Kalinica basically in the tweets referred to them and compared them to yeah schemes that are similar to what they had in Nazi Germany yeah and as a result he was then suspended from the BBC uh suspended as presenter of match the day and you know in response to that a lot of presenters including Ian Wright um you know said they kind of stood with Gary Lineker and yeah and it was like a strike you know they didn't present either and then it resulted in a really weird episode of match of the day I don't know if you saw it uh probably yeah. not where you are but um it's just silent it was really it was really they just showed highlights with no presenting and it was just silent and you know um along with that there's been a lot of backlash from from political pe- uh, figures you know uh, mps in parliament especially our tory mps have criticized dialinica for for his his tweets and and the and claiming that he well, the BBC also claimed, and that's the reason why they suspended him, that he broke sort of impartiality rules and regulations um, by expressing his political views on social media. Um, and yeah, they've since said that they are going to review those rules and regulations because yeah. they're outdated, and they've reinstated him back as a presenter for Match of the Day and all as well. Um, so, so in a, really, isn't it? <laughs> it's all good. In a in a whirlwind, that's 
that's kind of what happened. Yeah, you did a great job of summarizing that actually, because I think uh, <laughs> it in these situations you can always kind of go down the rabbit hole and try and explain it in too much detail. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah I've, got I think... a cu- I've got a couple of um, sort of articles and stuff open in front of me, and, and uh, yeah, luckily for me and for you, this podcast isn't bound by the same impartiality and yes, neutrality exactly. rules as maybe an organization like the BBC. So uh, I'm not going to hide the fact that like I'm a little bit biased one way <laughs> um, politically in general, but just looking for articles or, or reports that argue against what I believe was quite hard in itself. And, 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 it was clearly a very divisive topic, you know, and the headlines show it, uh, the, the difference in the headlines. You know, an article in The Guardian, the headline was a return to the BBC after suspension, BBC announces review of social media guidance um, after presenter was stood down on comments on asylum policy language. And on the same day, about the same thing, the Daily Mail was... How many times can Gary Lineker get away with it? Presenter faces fury of BBC journalists and MPs as he refuses to delete tweet comparing government's migrant removal scheme to Nazi Germany and won't answer the phone to bosses. Uh, so it's clearly a very sort of divisive topic. Uh, and it's it's pretty clear what the Daily Mail believes as well as, you know, the other, the other culprits. Uh, like the Sun and the Telegraph, um, but they they're not alone. You know, they yeah. there was a lot of criticism, um, especially from the government. Probably not surprisingly, uh, from about about Gary Lineker's tweets and um, you know, Downing Street called it not acceptable and disappointing, and a lot of MPs actually said. Well, quite, felt quite strongly about how he shouldn't be voicing his political opinions on social media. Interestingly, uh, interestingly, you know, he's like I said, he's not, he's not when it comes to political views and voicing his opinions on social media. Like he's no stranger to that. Yeah, you know, prior to this, he's tweeted against Qatar holding the World Cup. Mm-hmm. You know, he's tweeted against. Uh, he's tweeted in support of women's rights in sports in, in countries where that is lacking. And and none of these things have caused him to be suspended. Yeah. Uh, interestingly yeah. enough, whether it's a coincidence or not, but it was him tweeting against um, the Conservative government in the UK that, that caused him to be suspended. But yeah, I mean... It's it's a tough one because you know and and the from the BBC Tim Davies said it himself like it's always tough to balance rules on impartiality with freedom of expression and freedom of expression on social media and so on and so forth. But yeah, I'm interested to hear what you think like about the whole situation. Really, mm. I mean. It, yeah, I think I, I again, uh, I think you did a great job of that, and also I, I do want to state here as well, like my strong bias towards one side over the other, uh, and also the fact that being British does generally help, uh, the fact that I do as an institution, I do love the BBC, like I mm. think they do a great job overall in terms of presenting information uh and to be to be honest with you like i think a lot of people british people feel that way that like it is probably one of the one of the better national institutions that we have in terms of broadcasting in terms of documentaries like the caliber of producers and editors and journalists that come through the bbc is almost like second to none um so yeah. i just want to kind of preface that cuz you know when we do these podcasts like we've had a bbc journalist on as a guest oh we have yeah 
<laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. And and this is the interesting thing is like, you know, when we talk about these topics, we we're so far removed from this example. You know, I'm probably never going to meet Gary Lineker in my entire life. And I'm probably never going to be able to have as profound of an impact as him making that tweet and calling mm. out, you know, the UK government. I would love mm. to be in a position like that, but let's face it, I don't think I ever will be. Um, and so in the grand scheme of things, and we were just talking about this off air, within our own kind of bubble, you know, we we the way that we live our lives and the way that we argue for and against is within the values and the morals that we have picked up based on the way that we live our lives and the things that we are told and the things that we aren't told. Now, this yeah. herein li- lies the biggest problem is because... Yes, we're talking about the whole issue with Gary Lineker. And I want to argue that I think that what he did was right. But at the same time, the way that he went about it could have been slightly more delicate. Mm. Um, And that's just my honest opinion. Again, how do you mean? So I'm not sure. I just, to be honest with you, uh, and I thought about this when, when I like what I wanted to say before we came on here because you know it's it's a contentious topic and to be honest with you, what I mean is like there is kind of a right and a wrong way to go about these things. And when I say that I agree with what he said, um, what I mean is that like he what he did in that single tweet was basically get everyone to question the impartiality of the BBC and also go, hold on a sec, is this new bill actually a good idea? You know, Mm. because let's face it, a lot of people that watch Match of the Day, you know, uh, well, I don't even know the figures of people that watch Match of the Day, but it it must be a lot of people because football is the most popular sport in the UK and in the world, right? But I don't I don't know how many people watch matches there outside of the UK. So I'm just gonna stick within our little uh um... Yeah, we had it we had it in Hong Kong. We it just oh, came on the TV. It was weird, like yeah, that it is just come on. That is kind of weird. But also it's also slight it's not that weird given that Hong Kong was under uh you know British rule. So you know what colonialism likes to do, Yushuan? They never like to let you forget <laughs> it. Um which oh, is a man. whole other podcast conversation in itself sharing us match of the day they, they yeah. can do worse things yeah <laughs> um i'm not saying whether that's right or wrong but um yeah and so within kind of britain like match of the day is it literally is apologies if you're religious it's like the holy bible of football <laughs> and like the presenters that are on there you know one of my favorite football players is alan shearer like, i absolutely love yeah. him and also, I think the fact that he's just no nonsense. So what I'm saying is like him using that audience and the audience that that watch Match of the Day, most likely going to follow him on Twitter. And so I think him using that platform and saying like, saying the things he said within reason, I think definitely highlighted a few facts that people potentially hadn't considered. Whether that was right or wrong is another argument. And I know that we're going to get into that because of the kind of impartiality and um you know the kind of idea behind whether um journalists should be neutral uh is mm. is another argument but but the way he went about it I, I i you know it's a delicate subject um for a lot of people for obvious reasons you know yeah. um yeah. and i just think it it's maybe could have been done or maybe could have been said in a slightly different way. I don't know yeah. how that could have been done. I don't know. Um, but I feel like with these things, the more I think about it, um, the more I'm kind of like, but you know what? Sometimes people do need to be outspoken and to just say those things to actually mm. snap people out of it and say like, you know, I've said it, you know, yeah. what are you going to do about it? Kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, and you... I, I think a part of it is, and I, I you know, we, we've both 
um, sort of prefaced us talking about this with the fact that we do hold quite strong uh, political views in favour or in line with the situation. Um, and I wish our views were opposing because then it would make this a lot more interesting and probably a lot more entertaining for the listeners. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we're friends. We're all friends here. And um, I think it's really important to separate, in my opinion, like what he's said and what, what he's done and whether you agree with what he's said yeah. versus whether you agree with the action. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Or uh, how, do, how do I say, like, separate. So what he said is that, you know, the, basically that the asylum policy that the UK government has put forward is bad. Yeah, essentially. And I think it's important to separate whether or not you agree with that uh, and your views on the policy, separate that from whether you agree with Gary Lineker's actions. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And the, um, the difficult thing is they're kind of interwoven, right? Yeah, well, that's that's the difficult thing. Like, I feel like, I mean, it's it's probably quite obvious if you if you have if you hold the same opinions as what he's voiced, you're probably going to be more in support of him voicing those opinions. Yeah, right. Um, as opposed to if if you thought the the if you think that the asylum policy is great and um i think it's a great shout to send refugees to rwanda on a plane mm. or to offshore camps that are quite unregulated and low budget uh, you probably wouldn't be in support of what he said uh, or and, and probably wouldn't be in support of his actions if that makes sense but there's one point that i kind of wanted to zoom in on a little bit and it's you know, a lot of the arguments against him were to do with the language that he used, yeah. um, especially to, like referring to or making the comparison with Nazi Germany. And even mm -hmm. Keir Starmer, um, who, you know, the opposition and yeah. is very much opposed to the bill, said in a statement like maybe comparing it to Nazi Germany isn't the best way to go about things. Um, yeah. And, you know, a lot of the criticism is sort of in line with that. You know, Energy Secretary Grant Shapps said on Twitter, as a Jewish cabinet minister, I need no lessons on 1930s Germany from Gary Lineker. I'm also hosting refugees in my own, own home. By the way, that's what, that's what Gary Lineker does as well. But unlike Gary, I do not believe it is right or moral to tolerate criminal gangs trafficking vulnerable people across the channel. Um, Tory Deputy Chairman Lee Anderson told the Mail Online, yeah, again, Gary Lineker has been allowed to kick off about vile and baseless accusations. It's time to tackle this woke crisp salesman called an account for the nonsense he spews. Um, <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> was that? Who said that? That was oh. Tory Deputy Chairman Lee Anderson. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Um, I'm not um, quite sure about the language there in general. Woke crisp salesman. Yeah. Uh, that's Gary Lineker. Yeah. I, I find it interesting because, like, I know we're, we're going to get into a little bit about kind of move away from the kind of politics about it and more into sort of the actual journalism side mm. of things. But just to add to that argument as well, I, I wouldn't necessarily say I'm a fan of Pierce Morgan. I think that's probably the wrong word <laughs> to use. But I just want to reference a point that he made in a tweet. Um, and, and I know that he's kind of moved away from, you know, well, essentially he created his own TV show to reflect mm. his own views, right? Yeah. Yeah. But to be honest with you, some of the guests that he has on, he, he does a fantastic job of getting mm. information from them. And what he said was, it's absolutely insane that Britain has become a country where having an opinion can cost you your job. 
If we don't cherish and fiercely protect free speech, even for views we personally despise, we're no better than totalitarian regimes. I won't yeah. finish the last bit, but you get the idea. Um, and I think like that's a very important point to make because although I agree that you know um, journalists in and of themselves, especially ones that are within the breach of or the the realm, sorry, of sports kind of is like i get that you're using your platform but at the same time you you technically are supposed to be just reporting you know sports mm. but i at the same time i'm giving two arguments i completely agree with yeah. what um pierce morgan said <laughs> like it's that's really good as well you know like because Guy Lineker and Piers Morgan are on two completely opposite ends of yes. the spectrum politically. Yeah. And both of them have had similar experiences of being <laughs> fired. <censored. laughs> yeah. I mean, cancelled, basically. Been cancelled. I mean, Guy Lineker made a comeback and Piers Morgan was picked up by the sun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, both of them for voicing their own opinions. Yeah. Um. In maybe slightly less impactful ways, have have been have been cancelled or risked yeah. being cancelled. Yeah. Um. I, it's an interesting point about sort of impartiality and neutrality when it comes to journalism, and and you know when it comes to sports journalism, for example, he doesn't. In this specific case, you know, Gary Lineker doesn't talk about politics or voices social and political views on match of the day yeah you know he doesn't yeah do yeah it. yeah he doesn't do it on company time if you know what i mean like he that's a very he, good point you know that is about the football and that is about you know the sports news and yes. when he's broadcasting when he's doing live broadcasting he doesn't he doesn't make points about um Asylum seekers, you know, before kickoff. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> Welcome it's to match of the day. <laughs> um, Should building but... a wall around the UK happen? <laughs> anyway, Chelsea beat Man United seven nil or whatever the fuck it was. No, it was Man, it was Man oh, City, was right? Ridiculous, by the way. Uh, yeah. You can tell um, I don't watch football. <laughs> <laughs> you got the score right, but. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, that's not, that's, that wasn't during his, that's not like during his realm of work. Yeah, that's if, a really you know what I mean. Point. Like, that was on his own Twitter account. Yeah, that's very and he's true. not, he's known as not just a, a BBC sports presenter. Like, sure, like he's a, a large part of his following is from that, but. Like we said earlier, like he was a very, uh, very successful football player. Yeah. Um, he is a very outspoken uh, philanthropist, outspoken, uh, you know, with a lot of social and political commentary. Mm-hmm. Like people know him for different reasons, and people know Gary Lineker through, yeah, all these different roles that he plays or have played. So, yeah. And it's an important point to raise about, and this is part of the BBC guidelines as well, and having the freedom of expression in your in your personal social media. Yes. You know, and so that is a big balancing act that has to be played. And I mean, I just think, yeah, you know, the fact that he's not using the fact that he's on BBC to go on BBC and you know, voice his political agenda. Yeah. 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 He's pushing his agenda on his own time. (laughs) Yeah. That's very (laughs) true. That's, that's very different in my opinion. Yeah. That's very true. Uh, And actually that's, that's a really good point to make actually, because when we wanted to record this last week and then we thought, you know what, let's actually give it another week just to sort of settle down and get all the facts straight. I actually did a little bit of digging into the BBC's rules of fairness yeah. and, and accuracy. Uh, I'm paraphrasing here, 
But it says the BB. It's they state the BBC must not knowingly and materially mislead its audiences. We should not distort known facts, present invented material as fact, or otherwise undermine our audience's trust in our content. We should normally acknowledge serious factual errors and correct them quickly, clearly, and appropriately. Yeah. Um, which is an interesting point because yeah. in the wider realm of things, and I, I'm not just talking about the BBC here because it's not the only media organization that's open to the fact that sometimes it has fallen short of its standards and its accuracy and its impartiality. Um, you know, I'm not just talking about the BBC because there's mainstream newspapers that have done that time and time and time again. Mm. It seems to be happening more often than not. Um, <laughs> but what I'm talking about is that idea of neutrality, right? And trust yeah. in the media. Um, which I find is an interesting, you know, a, a, a kind of a, a caveat to what, uh, not really a caveat, but sort of a, a fork in the road of what we're trying to talk about is like, in my opinion, I think journalism again is, should solely focus on truth telling because like democracy, yeah. if we live in a democratic country, which we do, thankfully can't survive without truthful information. Yeah, like it, it depends on us as individuals to be able to make informed, informed reality based decisions, as in you, as in the media has given me this idea. What do I think about this idea? Is that right? Or is it wrong? I'm not sure. Let me do a little bit more digging. Okay, I agree. Or okay, I disagree. Mm. You know, like, it's great that we are in a democracy that that allows that um but i guess the the com the conversation i want to i kind of shift the conversation on is like do you think that do you think that there is a problem with journalism that journalists are either allowed or yeah i guess let's go with that do you think that journalist do you think there's a problem that journalists sometimes push their agenda uh, even if it means not particularly being neutral and is neutrality even a thing like mm. is it worth being neutral over the fact over being say objective for example mm. yeah um that's good i think there might be something we disagree with um, because <laughs> I like the that first point, time like... ever because <laughs> i genuinely believe and, and i'll argue for it that you know, you talk about information, you talk about truth, and you talk about, you know, presenting accurate, truthful information, being neutral. Yeah. None of this exists. Like it's all, yeah, it's all subjective. And it's, it's the same piece of information through different perspectives, through a different lens is perceived in, can be perceived in very different ways. Yeah. Um, you know, and so I think if that is something that you kind of strive for is to be completely neutral and, uh, you know, only present factual information, which obviously this is, I'm not saying that everyone just crack on and present <laughs> misinformation, disinformation, and welcome to Russia. Like, it's... Uh, I think there is a line to be drawn and for sure, you know, news and information that is baseless, you know, that has no sort of evidence, there's no evidence base, so it's not backed by, yeah, evidence and yeah. Um, sort of, do you know what I mean? It's not backed by facts. Yeah, I do know and what you mean. Not, it's not supported by evidence. Yeah. That is misinformation. And when you yeah. use that deliberately to, to, like you say, push a certain agenda, um, which is sway opinion, you know, things like 2.5 million pounds being brought back to the UK post Brexit, like that's, which is completely baseless. That yeah. becomes disinformation. And I think when, 
when news outlets and when organizations start to utilize those forms of 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 media storytelling basically uh then that becomes unacceptable but on the other hand i, I don't think that complete and true sort of neutrality is possible because it's always going to be told from a lens it's always yeah. going to be told through someone or something's perspective yeah um and to a more or less degree we know that you know we're aware that we're well, aware that you know when we read the guardian we're not reading the sun well or, we, know, we when... are we are but i think this herein lies the biggest problem is that a lot of people that that read those newspapers i don't want to offend anybody but sometimes they lack their own opinion mm. and yeah carry on sorry no no that's that's a really interesting point go go on yeah i just i just say and i i just want to actually i do agree with you actually that um <laughs> You know, and I thought we were about to disagree, to be honest. Yeah, I was getting actually, well excited. The more that you talk, the more I was like, okay, actually. Oh, I so I've just you. changed your mind. And now I, so I win. <laughs> yeah, you, you literally won. Yeah. Um, but here's the thing is like, actually, if I say that it's not, it's, it's not, and it shouldn't be neutral, I'm actually being hypocritical because I, at the very start of me talking, I said that I am biased towards my own opinion right yeah that's not neutral now obviously in the realm of us talking through spotify uh you know we're not a media outlet so within we can say whatever the hell we want yeah like i mean within reason (laughs) like other than on certain topics uh, that we know about yes exactly (laughs) um but no i i agree with you and i think that going back to the point that I made when I interrupted you is that what's important to understand is like when people do read the guardian or the sun is like for a lot of us, we are able to separate the the difference of journalism and also separate the information that they're giving us, whether it be right or whether it be wrong. Right. Mm. But what's really important. And I think, the reason why I argue that things should be more objective or neutral is because if people cannot make up their own opinion, they need to be told the truth. Yeah. Right. Whether, whether that newspaper believes it or not is regard. It it doesn't matter at that point because they have, they should have, in my opinion, they should have a um, a social responsibility to make sure that the people who might not be able to make up their own opinion are not influenced by said opinion. But I yeah. live in a real world, and I realize that everyone is influenced from lots of different, um, you know, media. Even I am. You know, I have my own values, my own opinions. I do sometimes just like this you know you talking like you telling me uh i don't think it should be neutral and i'm sat there thinking actually he's just won me over like he's actually he's right you know like (laughs) but that's because that's also because you know i'm open to the idea that i don't know everything and also everyone has their own opinion and their own side of the story and their own argument and it's important to understand both aspects of that and I think that's what journalism should be seeking yeah. for. Yeah, that's kind. That's yeah, kind look, of my I, argument. Yeah. When you put it that way, like I completely agree. Like, in, you know, neutrality and impartiality, in that sense of, you know, presenting the facts and presenting the information, and allowing the the viewer, allowing the audience, the reader to gather the information and then make an informed decision you know that is all that's all well and good but i think it's a bit it's a bit deeper than that in in the sense that it's very much based on and this is when different 
perspectives or different lenses come through. Yeah. The impact that very subtle sort of uses of language or different uses of language has yeah. on on the message that you deliver. And on the same on the same facts. You know, and, and you just have to look at the different headlines to 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 see that. Um you know, saying that Gary Lineker refuses to apologize for tweet comparing the asylum policy to Nazi Germany. You know, that has a very different in that the language used there has a very different impact to um BBC sports presenter Gary Lineker. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um <laughs> tweeting <laughs> do, you, do you want me to tweet tweeting yeah, um criticism on uh the government's uh, uh, asylum seeking policy to deport refugees to Rwanda. Yeah. Like all of the, both headlines are presenting one like factual information and two more or less like the same information but the language used yeah, creates sure. very different pictures uh, and that's just uh, that's two different perspectives um I, you know i even read i think it was a telegraph i even read a headline that was that said highest paid bbc sports presenter um breaks impartiality rules to criticize the government's asylum policy yeah that again it has a different kind of effect just on the language that it uses so I think yeah and that's just the headline presenting. as well you know yeah. like that's yeah. what catches and that really eyes. goes to show like yeah what goes to show that presenting the facts doesn't mean that it's neutral or it's impartial or if that's even possible because yeah, true. just based on the language they use that has a massive impact on the spin that you put on it or you know yeah. the whether it's conscious or not or whether it's intentional or not the sort of maybe not agenda but the you know the perspective that you're delivering the news from and then when it comes to neutrality um in the sense of you know you hear a lot um people saying that the media and the news the news has to be you has to give both sides of the argument you know like, you know like both sides of the argument equally and the big yeah. cliche for that is like there are schools uh, in my opinion a big cliche of it going wrong i should say but there are schools in in the u.s where you know you in science you learn about evolution alongside creation you know or do you know what i mean or or yeah you know when when the news talks about global warming they have to bring someone on who yeah who is a global who denies it you know um yeah either denies it or is a proponent for the fact that we need to change the way that we live and the way that the government sees things yeah i agree with you there's never going to be this like i i actually agree with you like it because neutrality literally means neither one nor the other. So we have to distance ourselves from either side and actually having neutrality. And now that I agree with you, I'm like, okay, yeah, actually I'm clear headed on this. It's like having that neutrality focus on journalism is a temptation to find, you know, it's either one or the other, but in reality, like I get it. It's, uh, and and this is the problem that we're hearing lies is that reporting could potentially either be a, a truth or a lie depending on where you see it. Um, yeah. And then it, it and then what that does is it leaves the audience to figure out okay well what's the right fucking answer here <laughs> like what are we supposed to do because you're the ones that are supposed to tell us you know you're the yeah. you're the authoritative figure you know yeah. you guys are the ones that are telling us global warming is bad. Right. Okay. So, what do we do? <laughs> you know, let's start with that. Let's start with let's be objective and say what in what is the reality. 
right? Yeah. What do we need to do in this issue? And I'm not just talking about global warming, I'm talking about everything. I know we're kind of venturing way, way off the sports realm. Um, and we kind of Stop use Gar- Gary Lineker to be like <laughs> a kind of a segue to... Um... Yeah. <laughs> but I think it's uh, important because, you know, for ju- for us, the way that people report sports and news... And a really good example of this, actually, I wanted to bring up, I apologize if I interrupted you, is the um, documentary Icarus, where it goes into uh, the doping scandal that happened in Sochi. And what I found really interesting, it's one of my favorite documentaries, by the way, if you haven't watched it, what I found really interesting about that, uh, and I know that Netflix is very different because it's not tied down to the same kind of rules as, say, like the BBC or the Telegraph or the Sun or whatever it might be. They have some rules, but it's I would I would argue that it's probably less so uh, that they they need to be neutral because they don't. It's entertainment at the end of the day, yeah, yeah, yeah. even if they are uh, putting on, you know, crime documentaries, which are amazing on Netflix. But Going back to Nicarus, it, sorry, Icarus. Um, Nicarus, who's that? Going back to Icarus. Um... It's like Nicholas in a Chinese accent. <laughs> Stop it. I'm allowed to say that. You're not even allowed to laugh. I'm not even allowed to laugh. So... <laughs> um, yeah, but... Uh... What I find really, what I found really interesting about Icarus is that a lot of people have problems with doping in sport, right? Whether it be fair, whether it be just, whether it be morally right, because you know people die from it, and and so on and so forth. And uh, you know, Wada published these ideas that sport should be fair. Sport should be, you know, the reason why we try not to promote drugs is because people will die, and and all this sort mm. of stuff. But like the interesting thing in Icarus is that they do a really good job of reporting the identity of doping. And what I mean by that is like, it's not just this cut and dry black and white thing. Like if you dope, you are bad. It's actually like, why do people do it? Why do people keep doing it? And it keeps coming back to this idea that obviously a lot of it comes down to money like a lot of things do um and at the same time you know we have this discussion all the time that like if you were in a position where you know that you could have earned more money as an athlete by and i know this is a completely separate topic that we've already discussed in in a previous uh episode like i would hedge a bet that the vast majority of people uh would would take that offer you know um maybe not us because we're in an entirely different position you know we're lucky enough to have that support and we're lucky enough to live in a society that would potentially support us if shit hits the fan but it's not even about money though like Mm. necessarily you know cycling isn't by any stretch the highest paid sport um yeah you know when you compare it to say football uh say american football you know know, like it's not about just the money and whilst i agree with you obviously like people make a living from the sport like a big part of it is just you know you got win or the the want and the need to fulfill that um you know what I mean? And and, and I, I agree with you. I loved that documentary. I loved Icarus. And I think the best part of it was the fact that, like you say, it revealed that identity behind this idea of doping. Yeah. You know, it's something bigger than just an action and it's the wrong thing. Yeah. There's a whole... There's a whole like backstory to it. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it goes to show as well, like a lot can be done in uh journalism and in, in reporting when you're not restricted to sort of strict neutrality and impartiality rules. Yeah. Like look at look at Louis Thoreau documentaries. 
Oh, like, lo- what, I love that guy so what much. What makes him amazing is because he has this weird ability to really like empathize with the people who he's talking to. Yeah, he gives it an identity. Regardless of yeah. like how weird and wacky they are. Yeah, it's and, like crazy. how far detached they are from his reality and how yeah. much he might disagree with what they believe and what they yeah. do. He has a way of identifying with them or at least empathizing with you know them as humans yeah. and their identities. Yeah, I I I that is a fantastic example to bring up actually, mate. Uh, and I love Luthero. Like, who I think who, honestly, like, who doesn't? And I think the reason why is because, like you said, you know, a lot like his journaling is is objective. It's it gives it reality. You know, mm. like all there's always going to be a right and a wrong, whether we believe that or not. You know, we're always going to be more one sided uh, than we are on the other. But at least if we're just given the straight facts you know, we can somewhat be able to go, oh, shit, okay, it's not as black and white as we first thought. You know, like, that's such a good example, man. I actually, that's such (laughs) a good, honestly, it's so good. Like, if, if you, if you're listening to this podcast and you've never watched a Louis Theroux documentary, every single one is amazing. There's one. Where would you get them to start? You know what? That's actually... I really liked the one where he went to Atlanta. I can't remember the name of it. Um, but I I think... I think the episode was like Forbidden America or something like that. I don't know if I've just yeah. made that shit up, but I'm almost... I mean, yeah. Um, so who, who were the people? Whoa. So one of them was a drug dealer. Uh one of them was like a uh, a gangster type thing, and uh, yeah. he was literally trying. Basically, he was going through these different people to try and find out who the leader was. Right, right, right. right. And he was talking to this leader, and he had like a gold watch. He had like gold teeth. And he was just having yeah. a conversation with this guy on the street. And, like, I just found it so interesting because for most of us, if, like, we were watching the news and this guy was, you know, being interviewed, there would be – they they would pr- – most likely they would paint a bad picture on him, mm. right? Because you would – it's he's not given an identity. He's not given – there's no kind of reality. But somehow you're just sat listening to – to this guy and it's like you you understand how he wound up where he did yeah and i'm not yeah, saying yeah. that that's right or wrong but what i'm saying is that like it's just it's really interesting because he just he does a fantastic job and um there's another really good one that he did with um who was the guy the tiger king what was his name <laughs> oh what was his name? That's gonna bother me now. Joe Joe Exotic. Joe Exotic. Yeah. So he did one before Joe Exotic was like super famous back in like 2011 yeah. with yeah, Joe yeah. Exotic, and it was amazing. Yeah, it was absolutely amazing. Um, My favorite one still the uh, the neo Nazi one. Oh yeah, is that with the with the, just... the family? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bro. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, yeah, that's that's an interesting one. That's uh, there's another one like that as well, which which is quite well. So I wouldn't say it's recent, but it's the most hated family in America. Oh, I've not seen that one. Where where they're against homosexuality. <laughs> it's I've really really good. good. It's really yeah. really good. Um, and again, like. You know, I think what's really great about that type of journalism, and I 100% agree with you, is that, I mean, we've, I don't need to repeat myself, like, it, we've said it a hundred times, um, you know, it's it's objective, it, it gives it reality and, and identity, and, and what that allows us to do is paint this deeper picture of 
okay, he's just given us the facts, you know, uh, and, and, and for the most part, I wouldn't necessarily say that I agree or I disagree with, with some of the things that he says, but he just does such a good job of seeing both sides. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, like when he did the, one of my favorite ones is when he went into the Westboro Baptist church. That was quite recent. Oh my God. That's a serious one. That's crazy. But guys, and, and actually, that, what's interesting is that I'm pretty sure that most of those were produced by the BBC. Yeah. <laughs> Full circle. <laughs> Fuck, we didn't, uh, even, didn't even plan that. One take. One take. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so if you guys haven't, Icarus on Netflix and Louis Thoreau is probably... Uh, probably my favorite journalist, honestly. Yeah, honestly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we'll end it there, guys. If you liked this episode, or you have opposing views on some of the things that we said, we'd love to you're hear wrong. them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you're wrong. Um, we don't have to be neutral about that. Um, we appreciate you listening. And also to those that are listening, this will be coming out on Friday, the 24th. So Ramadan Mubarak, um, enjoy the holy month. I know that, you know, it's uh, kind of strange coming from me because I'm not Muslim, but it's nice to celebrate Ramadan different Mubarak, people's cultures. Um, so yeah, in, uh, enjoy, enjoy this episode and we will catch you on the next episode of Into the Unknown. Love. Thank you so much for joining us into the unknown. Uh, if you want to connect with us and get in touch, you can find out more about me at Stoke Strength Systems on Instagram and Connor Lift Stuff for my business page. And you can find me at at yushan.su.eventing on Instagram, yushansu eventing on Facebook, and suyushaneventing.com. And if you want to get a bit more engaged, uh, with our community and you liked this episode please like and subscribe uh, follow on the on, on spotify and we'd also love to hear your thoughts on this episode's topics so please drop them in the comments catch you next week